0: What's up? It is 2 p.m.
1: on a Wednesday afternoon. Thanks for tuning in to Cannabis Legalization News, where we explain marijuana laws so you can change them. Today, we're speaking to Jack Barugian from Global Smart Commodity Group. But first, we do have to get into a little bit of cannabis legalization news. So, Tom and Miggy, what's going on in the news this week?
0: Hey, man. Oh, man. I tell you what, the news has been just ridiculous out of Illinois. Ridiculous. Guys got some new licenses, right? Or
1: something uh,
0: letters have been sent out? Uh, both. So some people have won transportation license provisionally because that was an unlimited over the line thing. Some people have been issued ten uh, day notices for transporters. Some people have been issued disqualification notices. And, uh, you know, if you're joining us and you have uh, uh, an application in in Illinois for the Department of Agriculture, smash those likes and hit subscribe. And you're going to want to stick around until the end of the news summary, because we're having a webinar, our first one tomorrow, because that's uh, that's really important to figure out how to respond to these. The 10 day notices that Illinois served are different than the 10 day notices that they've done so far. They're complex. They are ambiguous. And they're vast, so vast that they're trying to knock people like me out. Well, all the consultants, because we're gonna have bandwidth issues, because I'm reviewing it, I'm like, it could take me 10 to 20 hours to do this. Well, when they issue the 10 day notice, you calendar it. And so it's due next Friday. I'm a human being. I'm not going to work for more than 10 hours a day. Gosh, darn it. And and I'm not going to work for free. And so uh, uh, there's only so many people that have that type of skill set that can go through and do it. So a lot of the uh, people that have applied are probably going to have to do a lot of their own legwork. And that's mm-hmm. why you should definitely tune in to the webinar tomorrow.
1: Why would it be so big? Be- like, who's behind that? What? What is there a, a body, governing body behind this? Or the Illinois the Department of Agriculture. agriculture? Oh. So are they, are they basing this model off of something else, like a
0: like thing? Or is it just like, let's just make up some new shit and make it harder for people to get involved? Uh, well, again, you have to understand that the enterprise value of one of these craft brewer licenses when fully valued is probably between 25 and $30 million. So you don't want to just give a 25 to $30 million company to anybody, uh, and, and but then like it was just everybody got hit. So I'm talking to consultants from all over the country and everybody's getting hit with stuff. And they're like, and then like, the real frustrating thing is uh, people like me that have done more than one application are getting different results based on who the, who was awarded to. So it's like, this guy's missing one. This guy's missing zero. This guy's missing two and three. And you're like, what? <laughs> and I'm pretty sure being that you did the same
1: things, they're all going to be, I mean, they're parallel. They're going to be matching. One, so wow. one guy
0: got social equity on, on his uh, grower app, but not on his transporter app. And I'm like, huh? Wait, wait. Wow what? And then um, some of them get like, and that's just how it goes. But uh, they were all over the map. The only place they really weren't were in the uh, application exhibits in which your team was not involved. So like, if it didn't come down to like who you had on your team to determine how well you could farm, Mm. or like how good your uh, organizational crap is, but then a lot of it was just like, and the frustrating thing is, so then you start looking into it because they provide citations yeah. and then the citations are actually in the application and you're like, okay, how do I tell you that it's not missing even though you say it's missing?
1: <laughs> but is it <this clears throat> PMG?
0: Uh Yes. Why are they still involved in this shit though? I mean, like, it's, this is well, like- No, a, no, It reads like the biggest litigation cluster F that I can like possibly imagine. Yeah. As I'm saying, like, because- like everybody's getting hit. And so like my, my guy in Michigan and my guy in, in Colorado that I deal with that have winners in the dispensary round, like perfect apps, they're all getting hit and they're like, Whoa. and I'm like, ah. And so um, uh, it's extremely frustrating and it's all due next Friday. Yeah. And so that's oh why you God. absolutely want to turn, tune in to um, the, uh, the webinar. If you want to sign up for the webinar, you can head over to our Facebook page. It's facebook.com backslash collateral base. Uh, We're we're actually live right now, so I have to be kind of careful, but uh, there's a landing page there that you can sign up for it, and uh, then you can sign up for that on this uh, 10-day notice deficiency webinar. It's going to be our first webinar that we do on Zoom, so we do this on StreamYard. I'm hoping that I can still... Do a webinar,
1: you know. I think Zoom will be all right for you, dude. You, you'll, you'll be fine, and, and it's pretty easy. Um, they just crash. What's up with the um, over here? beside in your neck of the woods as well, uh, Springfield receiving 80k from Illinois. It's like, what is this the social? Is this the social equity stuff coming out?
0: Oh yeah. Like social equity money starting to flow in Illinois. There was like $31 million handed out. There was a lot of great contracts handed out. Some, of course, a lot of them went to insiders. Some of them were for the low uh, couple million. I think the biggest one that I saw was like 2.5 million. Damn. But uh, that's the social equity at work. And so that social equity tax dollar has hit the benefit before any licenses are handed out. And again, getting back to uh, the point of the social equity is to bring down and reduce the barriers to entry to the cannabis market. Have you seen the frickin' application for the, the, this is their entry model grow. Right, their entry model grows a twenty-five to thirty million dollar enterprise Damn. and they aren't going to give it to anybody. The applications are a thousand flipping pages long, and then you get uh, a ten you get a notice of deficiency that makes zero sense and that are completely different depending on where you look. You know, yeah. But I you
1: know how I joke about regulation, how I'm always like it's probably somebody that just did this All right we're gonna do this right but it's probably not it's more like somebody doing this all right i got a thousand pages we're
0: gonna work on because if someone did this it'd be like hey we're just gonna have like three rules (laughs) i uh that's one of the problems you know and so join us for that webinar tomorrow and then we will be reading tea leaves and so the tea leaves will help us understand how to respond to this and so is it really you know drug-induced is it? Uh, I think I like to think it's complexity induced, and our guest today is going to have some talking about complexity because we have options contracts and futures contracts to discuss. Mm. However, uh, much like options and futures contracts, there are models that, models of math that are involved, probably in the scoring uh, that KPMG came up with. These people have no idea what the industry is, but they can model numbers fairly well, and so uh, they've probably created some algorithms. Those algorithms all got tripped, or maybe it's just. They flagged as they flagged it all randomly, clearly. And yeah. then um it's just to see if people respond. Just to it, weed them, you know?
1: It can't be an algorithm. It's got to be human error, man. Because if it was a if it was a software related thing, either it would do good or just shit on you every freaking time.
0: It's not going to like give you half and half. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah. going to Like if, work you, if you give the same result to yeah. the machine, it's not going to give you two different answers. No man. It, well, it, it, you don't know. I mean, like we'd have to see. I mean, maybe it's a random number generator. But hey, uh, I, yeah. And I, so that's I, that's the the news out of Illinois, man. What's going on anywhere else? I've just been kind of sucked into a vortex.
1: Well, check this out. I found where I want to live next. There's going to be a large mariro- marijuana marijuana grow site that gets okay for Shaw Walker Factory. It's also going to have 150 new apartments above it. What's this? Someplace in the in, in Muskegon.
0: Muskegon, where? Uh, uh what's that? Michigan. Muskegon, Michigan, is going to have a mixed-use commercial building where you can live above weed growing. I'm excited for that one, dude. Like, I really want to move there. You know, here I want water. to see the zoning commission yeah. for a special use permit where it's like, and how close are you to residential uh, real estate? Same building. Say, so just weed. Yeah. Take the elevator to two apartments. Uh, that violates the setback of a thousand feet from a residence. That's why we're here. We want the special use. We would like a variance so that we're complying with these, uh, these, these rules. And then, can you consume on premises? I mean, there's going to be so many consumption things. lounge. Le- could, if you're joining us from Detroit, don't forget to like, subscribe, and then also get in touch with us over at cannabisindustrylawyer.com because we're helping people with the consumption lounge applications and also with the uh, the, the legacy license applications. Right now, we're yeah. making some charts oh man, this was one of the things that I had to spend like six hours on yesterday. And if you tune in to the webinar tomorrow, you'll be able to see it because we're going to go over it. Uh, That's kind of how you score these types of applications. And we've created a 31, 32 pages. And that would be the scoring criteria for your Craft Grow license application that is similar to other types of licenses in other competitive states. And then once you have that, now I can like very quickly go through these 50 page tombs of uh of narrative some of which i have written some of which i haven't written Mm -hmm. uh, to try to find these specific keywords because i'm going to be like it's right there it's right effing there how can it be here and it's i'm I'm deficient on this measure you know
1: well again human human it's gotta be humans did you see also with the detroit uh the city opens applications for so this is from the actual city uh legacy cannabis certification
0: That's right. You can start your process to get certified as a Detroit legacy applicant right now. And you should, because we also have to pre-qualify you with the state. And then eventually, I believe in April, the application window will will begin. And so we really want to have you all taken care of uh, in the next two months. So, yeah, you should really get in there. I mean, I'm going to have to check with uh, some of the staff attorneys to see where the um, chart is on that. But, yeah, (laughs)
1: Detroit man. Well, you know, we probably should uh, bring our guests as we get more heady into this. Oh, yeah, I I like that. Yeah, let's bring them on. Hey, Jack, how you doing?
2: I'm doing great. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing at uh, Global Smart Commodity Group? We are a multi-asset exchange that's incorporated blockchain and smart contracts, especially for uh, asset classes that don't have what we would call central price discovery, Uh, and that would be, say, hemp. Uh, marijuana. These are markets that need uh, risk management, and and you really don't have a viable cash market, and and I'll get into that a little bit. But we've we've actually found the right solution uh, and created a platform specifically designed uh, for both growers and 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 end users, and in fact, every little choke point in between.
0: Wow. You see, that's such a difficult thing. Uh, what was the central pricing? What was the the technical
2: buzzword that you used? Central price discovery. So, for example, uh, what we would call the, the old open uh, outcry. Yeah, I would call it an
0: option pit, right?
2: Or a futures pit, yeah. Or a futures pit. You really need a, a cash market first. See, every so when we're talking futures and we're talking options, these are secondary derivatives off of an underlying cash market. And it's so very important to get the cash market orderly. And one thing that we find, and you, you find it with hemp especially, and, and, of course, we find it with, with other uh, types of, of, of commodities, marijuana being one of them, that, that there is no orderly cash marketplace. There, there are a lot of choke points, and there are a lot of similarities, obviously, between, between hemp and, and, its, and its cousin. Um, and, and if you look at it, you've got choke points in, in cultivation, in manufacturing, in testing, in transportation, and in payments, What if you had a solution that took care of all of that, to take something that goes from a genetic marker, put onto a a blockchain, a peer-to-peer network that goes all the way through the process, including testing, including transportation, and then tokenize the settlement so that payment is already established. It's pure pre-transactional verification. You know, the, the one thing that you hear uh, by everybody, and we're talking about industrial users because there are a lot of brokers that are that are in this game, all buyers are liars. I, you know, I've, I've heard that time and time again. Well, we, we've eliminated that. We've got it to the point where somebody can actually go in there, see what the real pricing is of whatever they're growing. And, and this is important because there are a lot of people out there that are going to get a lot of exposure to these markets and don't know how to be able to manage their risk. We saw it with hemp the last couple of years, it's going to happen with marijuana. It's going to happen with other commodities as we come on board with them.
0: Yeah. Do you think that the uh, individualized states, because that market would be impossible to make uh, unless you're going to, it's like the euro, but -hmm. it's not because it's like the euro before the euro. So now we have like 50 states that are operating their particularized markets. So the spot price in, in Detroit is going to be
2: different than the spot price in LA. It's you know exactly right, Tom. In fact, that's one of the reasons that we've created Zones. Um, we've also found that you you've gotta, you gotta can't find the middle of the highway. Uh, you've got to be very particular. Uh, and what you want to do is you want to maintain the integrity, what we would call the provenance of that data, so you know exactly who it was, where that seed came from, where it was planted, how it was cultivated, how it was tested, how it was manufactured. All of this is so very critical, especially when we're talking to the regulators. And, and, I, I, and I've got to say, and just to go off on a bit of a tangent, I've dealt with regulators for the last 20 years on my end. I mean, I was there. I testified in front of Congress uh, for various things. And, and now I, I, all I can say is, you know, did we think it was going to be any different with our industry here? Of course not. Uh, you know, these regulators are there for a reason. You know, they're 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 patronage jobs in many cases and they're paid to say no. It's just that simple. So you just got to find a a way around them. And, you know, it's one of the reasons I'm doing this instead of instead of giving you an application, because I realized that that was just absolutely ridiculous.
0: Yeah. The application process so far has been absolutely ridiculous, especially in the name of equity, especially considering then the most the most efficacious way to get into the cannabis industry to buy a license. If you can close on that license, you're in the industry. Great that is a binary concept i mean so many other places it appears to be like well who gets the license
2: it's a secret well you know tom if you remember correctly we were talking on a panel that that you sat on that i was monitoring that i was the one and we were we were talking specifically about things that that had to do with 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 equity Uh, And and, and how we were going to see licenses passed out. One of the things that I brought up is the fact that people that have past convictions in many cases can't qualify for loans. They can't qualify for for the, the types of tools. And if they do, they don't know how to manage their risk properly. See, these are things that need to be taught. For me as a trader, I've spent my entire time right out of Loyola University here in Chicago, and I went right into the pits and I traded. So, so managing risk is inherent in my blood. I understand that. But for somebody that's new to this world, they don't know how to do that. And it's very important to start teaching them not only you know, how to be able to get into the game, but how to stay in the game.
1: Hey, Jack. So I'm a layman. Like Tom, is, you guys are gonna be talking over my head this whole thing. But uh, my perception of it, for what you offer, because you're just dealing with the hemp sector, right, um, in your company, and you're you're talking about commodities or whatnot, is in a sense like um, if I were to invest in you, then I own 10 percent of like a thing. Is that what happens? And, and you're saying it's all from seed to sell that you guys offer. Is that what's going on? Like you guys essentially are like a hemp uh, stock market.
2: Almost very, you know, I mean, I guess you can call it that, but that's just for him. Remember, if, if we're going to take a step back, let's understand what we're trying to do. We're creating a solution for for any asset class. What I want in particular is a platform that is for sustainable and environmentally friendly types of asset classes. This is something that is not done out there right now we do not see an esg exchange um you know and it was really brought to me by my son's friend my son's a lawyer out in the, the famous lawyer in newport beach california my son and this friend is a tesla engineer and he said you know mr b why aren't you guys trading things that matter to my generation why aren't you trading things that make batteries? Why aren't you tra- and then I did my research and I realized he's absolutely right. Uh, you know, So when we're looking at, at various commodities, I'm looking at things that are sustainable, that are environmentally friendly. I'm looking at rare earth elements, for example. One of the reasons that we got into hemp uh, is not only because of the, the various uses of hemp, but more importantly, um, I see a $167 billion addressable market in five years with hydrogen power cells. Mm. Those hydrogen power cells are actually powered by hemp biomass. This is something that people don't even realize. And it's something that's about three to five years out. So now, as we're going down this road together we need to realize that there's going to be farmers there are going to be manufacturers that have exposure so maybe going back to your question it's more like a contract that goes up and down in value what is the price of this hemp uh, that's got 10 you know 3% uh, thc in it that's got uh, you know 25% cbd it's got exactly what the pharmaceuticals would want or better yet it's got what the herd producer would want it's got the right stock it's got the right it's got the right te- You just got the right seed that's been planted. So now all of those different types of markets are listed on our platform. So somebody can come and see that all on one pane of glass. They can see everything, what zone it's from, where it's delivered, how it's grown, who's growing it, all of that on a PFD right in front of you. And more importantly, and this is really what it gets down to, it's all transparent. All right. So now you're seeing it. You're seeing the pricing. The biggest problem that I have right now, for example, is that there's no real pricing out there. Right. The, CME, the CME announced this. You know, oh, they, they've got the hemp benchmarks is going to be their their price. And then I looked at what the hemp benchmarks people are doing, and I don't mean to disparage what they're doing, but but it's wrong. It's incorrect. I mean, I've created product all my life. What yeah. they're doing, they're taking, uh, you know, something that's 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 an apple and that's an orange. They're calling them hemp, and they're giving you an average price in between. That is wrong, and that's that's the reality of what we're doing. We're giving you real markets for these various little nuanced. Um, you know variations within the entire industry. Is if what
1: is what you offer? Can mm-hmm. it provide for like the future, of like commodities for like say corn and, and pig mm-hmm. and all that stuff? Is that going to be something where I can just invest in hemp? That'd be my thing.
2: That's exactly right, man. What we need to do is, and what we're let's let's take that step. We're creating that cash market, which is that orderly cash market, so that we can establish that secondary futures market and options market after that. See, it's, it's based off of this cash market. We'll do a couple of different things. We can play a few different games with it. When I say games, I we can try a different a, a thing or two. For example, we can see which are the most actively traded hemp contracts that we have in the cash market and create an index. Now we have a hemp index, which actually would be used. And you've got what they would call index arbitrage. People would be keeping that index in line with the actual cash market. Now you've got a futures contract. Now you've got a contract that that growers can use, like a corn contract, like a wow. soybean contract, to hedge out their exposure. And for me, though, the reality is that without what we've done is we've created a digital solution to the, to the analog world. You know. Yeah. Where you'd have to go and open up an account and you'd have to wire in money and you'd have to and and all the rest of this, and you'd have to settle up trades for two days or whatever the case is. What this is, is instant settlement. It's tokenized settlement. You're Mm -hmm. buying those tokens. We're freezing them as an exchange, and then we're releasing them once the product is delivered. It's that simple. So it's a pre-transactional verification. It makes life so much easier for people that are on both the buy side and the sell side.
0: So then, uh, but with a cash market like that, you have the individual person. It's like the corn silo. So like it's it's there at the spot at delivery. How do you uh, how does your exchange help effectuate delivery of the hemp?
2: We have we have testers. We have sites for delivery in each zone, um, and and all of them are qualified. And we're also working with the USDA for that very reason. Uh, the USDA has found what we're doing to be the solution. They've actually told us uh, that they've been looking for a solution and we've, we've actually come up with it uh, to divide us into to different zones within the country so that we can give them the correct pricing for hemp and for the correct hemp pricing within that zone. Because what you'll find is that there are variations of hemp within the zones. See, that's one, that's one of the parts of the puzzle that they completely missed. And as we brought that out, it was almost like a light bulb turning on you know, in their heads. Um, so, so they're very eager to see us go down this road. Uh, there are people that have contacted us from from Europe that are that are uh, making um, leather seats for BMW, uh, for Volkswagen. They want herd. They need fiber because they see that as their, their green solution for everything that they're doing. The, the, the hemp plant, and I know that I'm being a bit of an evangelist, has turned me uh, from being you know, the, the old time capitalist on the floor of the exchange into this this reborn type of, of person when it comes to hemp. There yeah, are- impact so- investor. <laughs> it's just, I tell you, just
0: ESG. I mean, you have an ESG exchange. What's the margin on ESG exchange? Hey, that's another question. How do exchanges make money after all, Jack?
2: That, well uh, think of it you make money off of uh, data fees because you've got to actually sell that data people need to have that price dissemination uh, you actually have memberships to the exchange of course we would have tokens and every time somebody is actually gonna have to withdraw tokens or you know they'll have to pay just a small little percentage which will be a lot less than say transactional fees if they were in and out trading so so there are various ways and there are various revenue streams that come with creating an exchange but you know but for me and, and i and the only reason I do these things, and this is, you know, it might sound a little corny, but you know, this is maybe my eighth startup right now. Uh, I like creating these things. I like the fact that we, you know, you were changing people's lives. I've got, you know, you got eight, nine families now that that, that and this grew from nothing. Uh, you know, my old company's got ninety. Uh, you know, and 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 we we grew that from nothing. I, I, you know, that I dig that. You know, it's you know, you can make money you can lose money but but those are the things that really kind of matter and and now in this world in this industry um you know if you can layer yourself and do it right and do it you know responsibly uh we're talking about a huge addressable market uh, yeah. for for everything that we're talking about
0: kind of like how steve Jobs said you know teams are the best thing to build and so uh, if you're building those teams that's really really cool but uh what types of product standardization? Because I am biased. I, I'm in the middle of a cornfield anyway. So, like number two, yellow corn. There's not right. a lot of corn going on in the world. There's right. still a bazillion varietals of hemp from herd to, you know, maybe you're growing it for its food, which is sometimes called like its seeds, uh, or you're growing it for CBD, or you're growing it for CBG, right. uh, or maybe you're growing it for its terpene profiles. How do you go about um, classifying that so we can derive a standardization for a price that could then go to a futures market?
2: We actually have found various standards that fit specs. So we've got maybe 20 different specs for for various. So we haven't standardized the entire hemp market. That's not the way it should work. That's the way others have tried it and failed. So what we have done is we have taken each individual market the way it is. Some might be paused. So we have a specific uh, we have four offerings for herd with different types of herd. We have uh, offerings for, for, um, for hemp uh, that's, that's heavy in, in CBN and CBG. We have, uh, so it, we, we, we've actually bifurcated that process. That And then we've taken that even one step further and taken it to zones. This is where the USDA has come to us and said, thank you. That's what we were missing. We didn't see it that way. And now we can actually give them everything, again, on one pane of glass, which allows them to see how these various markets might be interacting and what the price differential might be between, say, herd uh, for for one purpose in, um, you know, one zone versus the other zone. It might be the exact same herd grown, uh, but there's a price differential because of either transportation or because of, of location.
1: What a great way to look at it. I love the fact that you come from, like, this mainstream financial arena, right and then you're incorporating it to the the hemp perspective um but you know as like jack Hare would say you know like hemp can save the world we all think this we all believe it but essentially the reason why it hasn't yet is because it's expensive for most people farmers and manufacturers to get involved in uh are you guys kind of like creating like the jeff bezos model where it's like throw as much money as you can at it because it will succeed in the
2: end No, I I don't believe in throwing a lot of money at something to see if they'll come. No, ours would be be more like, um, say, these new Bitcoin exchanges that have emerged over the course. Say, look at Coinbase. Uh, That's a good example. Um, You know, they, they took an asset class that was not really trading and they gave it a home and they created a platform so people could safely come to that location and be able to buy and sell their Bitcoin. We're doing the exact same thing, if you think about it, for commodities that don't have a home. So right now, hemp is that is that commodity that we have in focus. That's where we found you know, our, our initial trades uh, that have been very successful. We've probably traded more hemp distillate in the first week that we launched this platform than every other exchange <laughs> combined. Uh you know, and and the reason
0: just let me just make sure that I I don't mean to cut you off, Jack. That's great. But all my clients that are trying to find, you know, where to sell their weight and hemp distillate, uh, go to Jack's website. Uh, what what is the website, Jack?
2: It's good. Well, it's if you go to the global smart commodity group, you'll be able to see it. Uh, you'll see how to be able to get on and on board. But more importantly, when we we will get there, Tom, where people that have excess and I'll give you an example. We, we had somebody that approached us just the other day and and they, what they're doing is that they are taking biomass and they are turning it into hydrogen fuel cells. Um, when I say one hundred and sixty seven billion dollar addressable market, that's what I'm talking about. They are using hemp biomass. They are not sensitive to how that biomass is grown. They're not sensitive to where it's grown. They are just looking for that 30% oil and seed. They're looking for what comes out of that, the, the actual hydrogen that's derived. That alone, in and of itself, tells me something. It tells me there's a green solution out there that is looking to be adopted. It goes back to that original question by my son's friend, is, you know, why aren't you trading things that matter to us? That's something that matters. There's Uh something... You know, and, and and just to go back to your question, now you've got a place where, you know, and once we've set the, the platform up properly, especially for what we would call those over-the-counter trades, those off-spec trades, uh, which is where your, your clients that are sitting on these huge piles of, of biomass can actually move, that's where they would go. They would go there in a location where you've got pre-transaction verification and the money's already sitting there. We're holding it. We're holding it. So the transaction can't take place. No one can buy that from you. No one can lift that offer unless they've already given us that coin. And that's really important.
0: I want to, I want to find out more about that company that's doing the biomass into the hydrogen fuel cells. Uh, so, you know, we we can talk more about that after the show, but that sounds like something that I'd throw money at well, and not a, just see what happens. I, I would like review their financials and their IP holdings first. I mean, then you have right. to fill out forms. Yeah. But yeah, it's, that's a, that's one of the things that I always thought hemp was really going to be amazing for is as a carbon source yeah, or I as a
2: hydrocarbon that. source. Yeah. Well, the is, there's a company that's right, doing it right now in France. And, uh, and the byproduct of this, you know, and this is something to think about, are carbon credits. All right. Sure. Um, and, and because, remember, you have a negative carbon footprint with what you're doing. So you can literally create carbon credits off of this. So so somebody who is growing kind of doesn't realize that they're entitled to these credits. They can go to the marketplace and actually sell them. Um, see, these are the things that we're. We're hopefully going to be there in another few months. You know, I've got so many different ideas uh, with where I want to take the exchange. But we're starting initially with these transactions for 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 plain and simple distillate, for, for oils, for hemp herb, uh, for for various things that that matter and, and that people want. But once we get to the once we're fully rolling, um, what you're going to see is a is a market a two-sided market that really allows for price discovery for every level within the hemp industry.
1: With that battery technology, I think that'd be great if like manufacturers decided to create hemp products, but again, it's expensive and these guys aren't going to do research in manufacturing. Uh, it, you know, Cause I work, I work in the electronics field and it took them years just to get to what it's a uh, ROHS, uh, which means no lead in components uh, to the certain standards, you know, and, You know, and that's why I was talking about the Jeff Bezos model because hemp has that potential to be everywhere, right? If Duracell invested in hemp, it'd be great to see like
2: hemp little batteries, but these guys aren't going to do shit until someone else figures it out. Well, Miggy, there's $2 trillion sitting on the sidelines right now looking for ESG investments. All right. So I guess what I'll say is there's going to be money thrown at that. And, and this solution, they're going to be looking at that. So there's going to be somebody out there. Remember, you know, you've got an entire generation of investors that are right behind me now uh, that are younger than all of us. All right. If you think about it, that have got this, this socially conscious uh, streak that's running through them. So they'll look at things like that before they'll look at fossil fuels. Um, it, it's it's really where you, you can see where the ball, you know, where the puck is going to use one of Wayne Gretzky's lines you know, as opposed to where it is
0: yeah but of course the um uh, tesla's not so green i mean like the cd underbelly of that is it needs the lithium ion technology so if they right. could figure out a way to put that out of business and it just what'd you do well we grew some hemp and mm-hmm. and then the rest well there's a lot of science involved in the rest but it, it turns out that we could actually create a battery
2: from that yeah. the poly, poly something is, is what it's called I, you know I, I went through the the process talked to a couple of engineers they were explaining it to me um you know, the, the only problem and, and anyone that's an engineer out there would understand it is is really thrust i think it's you know we can replace trucks we can replace cars we can we can basically replace everything else out there uh, you know with transportation except the airplanes um you know we, we don't seem to have found the right technology to give us the thrust that's needed to be able uh, to take an airplane from fossil fuel uh, to say you know something that's that's like a hydrogen-powered uh, battery cell or something to that effect once we get there but but here i i'm, I'm a firm believer Uh, That technology will get us there, Uh, especially with all of that money that I think is going to be thrown at investments that look for these types of solutions.
0: We've had guests on before that have mentioned uh, they call it impact investing or ESG investing, and so you really believe that that's going to be because I, when I look at the hemp and the cannabis industry, I'm like, man, this industry is perfect for ESG investing, especially like from the social equity aspect of it to the ability to recreate what it is to be in an agricultural field. I mean, that's the real excitement about it because the value of it on a per pound basis of the THC cannabinoid can really drive a lot of technological advancement.
2: Well, you're right. In fact, every part of the plant, in fact, I I went as far as to say that I see uh, hemp a lot like where soybeans might have been uh, in, the, in the 20s and 30s when they first started to proliferate. you know. Remember, soybeans weren't something that we grew here in the States. It was corn. We were corn and wheat. And, but when we realized what, what we had with soybeans, with the different products and how versatile it was, uh, all of a sudden soybean production just went you know, out of control. Um, in many ways, what I see happening with hemp kind of parallels that in some ways, but on steroids. Because of all of the different uses, I mean, you can't turn soybeans into concrete. You can't turn soybeans into clothing. You can't turn soybeans, you know, into uh, into chairs. Medicine, <laughs> In medicine. But yet, you know, this is the versatility of this hemp plant. It's you know, uh, it's the kind of thing, and and that's why. Um, risk management and price discovery is so very important, very vital, because there, there's going to be there are going to be a lot of boom and bust cycles that take place unless you can flatten out the volatility. And the only way to flatten out the volatility is to give people a solution and in, in a place where they can come to actually manage that risk. And that's exactly what we're doing. Hmm.
0: Yeah, that's fascinating. I always thought it was kind of ironic that uh, Archer Daniels Midland is based in Decatur of Illinois, or Mm -hmm. historically it was. It may have kind of like how Peoria was home to Caterpillar, and then the the corporate office may have moved, but that's where it historically was. Archer Daniels Midland can make darn near anything out of corn. You're telling me that they wouldn't be salivating over hemp? Like, there's not an ag chemical company out there just going like, you can do what? And What? what? And what? Okay, well, guys, but but I think it has to get back to the prejudice involved with this uh, particular plant, Uh, and then how farming is a very traditional uh, red state enterprise. You know.
2: Well, I I think that that's that's a good point. But uh, but here's something that I guess a lot of people don't know is that each one of these companies, Cargill, uh, ADM, all have very big. Testing programs internally, for people. so they are looking at it and very, very carefully. They're looking at uh, the the different components. They're looking at the and you know every time, for example, I put something out uh, on on LinkedIn. Uh, I just put something out about uh, what we were doing with these various contracts. I looked at how many people saw it. I had about ten thousand views on my LinkedIn off of that, and about five hundred of them were from the ADMs and cargos of the world. And that opened my eyes a little bit. So it tells me that they're looking for, for what we're doing. So so for me, I'd like to take it and, 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 and attack them. Uh, you know what? I'd like to see a contract on non-GMO corn. I'd like to see a, a contract on things that, that they're not doing, uh, as a matter of fact. Um, you know, because, you know, the Monsantos of the world are uh, looked upon uh, as the enemy with uh, you know by my children's generation
0: sure um, they're going to they're going to look at it as an enemy until they create their own cultivar and then they're going to be like you mean I can patent patent this plant and then yeah. they're going to be like hey you're stealing my idea it's like uh, you're not as idealistic anymore now that yeah. you have some patent rights are you but, uh, um, you know, that's just how it is with youth. We're all, we always think everything is supposed to exist in principle when you're young. And then you just kind of get you know, smashed with reality over decades. Um, so anyway, man, where do you think that's going to take them? You think that you're going to have no uh, IP when it comes to the hemp plant with how diverse it can be and how novel all of the, the things they can do with it?
2: Oh, in fact, uh, we're dealing with IP. Our IP is more the process IP. is a, is a process patent for what we're doing. Uh, the various people that have got what they have. Um, remember, you know, if, if you're, it's up to you. If you're producing a herd uh, and you've got a certain uh, you know, genetic marker on it, uh, that's up to you. We would have, if Monsanto or Cargill were producing hemp, they would be our customers on the platform. Uh, just like they're a customer at the CME group, at the Board of Trade, uh, where they go out to hedge their risk. Or if they've sold too much, where they go to buy, uh, which is another problem that they might have if they've oversold. So, uh, you know, uh, you know, when they're looking for capacity constraints, there's there's um, there's a big issue right now uh, in in the fact that, you know, now that you've opened up the doors, which we did with the banking laws last year, um, there seems to be this rush with the rush. Of course, come a lot of charlatans. You and I know this. We've we've been talking to to people about it, Uh, but you really need a place where you can trust. You know, you're, I commend you. Tom. You've, done, you've done something a lot of people are looking for. They're looking for somebody that they can go to for, for good advice, for, for good quality advice. What we're giving them is, is a good quality risk management tool so that they know uh, they can come assured if they're going to buy something. It's on the blockchain from seed to sale. It's not just on some software. Um, So they they know exactly what they're buying, where it's delivered, where, how it's tested. And we're talking about the entire thing. And then once it's tested, it's held in a warehouse. So there is no just, you know, testing a certain portion of it and sending that in. Um, If you've got isolate, you send it all in to the testing facility. It's not just an eyedropper. Uh, of oil. It's, you know, send us all your leaders, all right? Well, they'll be sitting in our warehouse and that's where they will sit until delivery, whatever point of delivery we talk about. Makes life a lot easier for everybody.
0: Yeah. The delivery is always an issue because you'll have charlatans that are trying to like buy 40 grand worth of hemp flour. And so is this uh, contract that you have with the blockchain and for, I mean, I understand it's a cash market contract. Mm-hmm. Can that go through the wholesale level to like, all right, here the hemp has now arrived at the retail facility or the retail buyer?
2: Mm-hmm. What we could do that, uh, what we find is that the industrial purchasers of the, of the hemp that we're dealing with d- don't necessarily need that. Um, mm-hmm. But if we ended up with say a distributor, uh, that wanted to make sure that we could verify, and they had say, say, for example, we dealt with somebody that had a a line of CBD stores a, a around the country. Uh, what we could do was make sure that we were covering them so that every one of their uh, products is actually certified, uh, which is something that's very important. The certification process is all over the place. Um, what we will do with the USDA is find a certification process that everybody will have to abide by, and that is going to be very important, especially when we're talking about launching the secondary derivatives down
0: the road. Yeah, the secondary derivatives is going to be, they really need a place where you can take it to market. And then that is, that has been lacking because there's people that are just like sitting on it in warehouses or they're sitting on distillate also in a warehouse. Uh, And so that biomass, I mean, like, gosh, I was uh, in Detroit on a meeting uh, talking to some farmers, sitting on 100,000 pounds of premium smokable hemp flour, Mm. just 100,000 pounds of smokable. Do Christmas?
2: And it goes bad. It's, it's like a deteriorating option if you don't be careful with it, unless you've got it stored properly. And that's one of the things that people don't even really that.
0: Even then, know? sure. You get it stored properly. what do you got? Yeah. A couple of years at the most, you still got to oh. move it. I mean, it's still a it's still an agricultural commodity. I mean, that number two yellow corn after it's dried and in the bins, mm-hmm. sure, you can keep for a bit. You take care of it. I mean, you start getting all wet and all that and something goes wrong. Yeah.
2: So, so just to go back to it, ours isn't, you know, we don't get into the, to the, to the granular. So, for example, if we were to launch, um, you know, another hemp product uh, tomorrow, um, it wouldn't matter to us who's filling that space as long as they fit those specs that are needed for that end user, whatever they might be. So we have a, a spec right now, for example, for a specific type of herd because we have a buyer that needs a specific type of herd. So we have that listed. It's being transacted on the platform. Somebody is growing that herd, and we had a buyer of that herd. They are not not going through a broker; they're coming to the platform, and it makes again life a lot easier for them.
1: So, your platform is definitely a, a hemp just exchange, right? Or do you guys are going to be going to cannabis eventually one day? I
2: want to cannabis. Uh, I am going to go to rare earth uh, elements. I want to go to. Yeah, you know, I'd love to get a battery index down the road. I, I, I want to find things that, that actually matter. Uh, you know, I was talking to Tom a little bit ago about non-GMO corn. Uh, You know what I mean? There's a there's a a big need for that. Um, You know, people are looking people are looking at different types of uh, of asset classes right now that are not the mainstream. They're not the corn and soybeans of, of the old world. And the larger exchanges don't have time. So the CME group, for them to come and launch a new asset class, um, it's got reputational damage to it. If it doesn't take off, it costs a lot of money. They've integrated so many different systems. So that's where it leaves that that window of opportunity for somebody like me and and my partners to step in and and create something that, that they would want. The difference between what we're doing with the CME and the Board of Trade and all the rest of the uh, the futures exchanges do is we're going to incorporate the cash market with the futures market. So they'll be able to see all of the price discovery on one pane of glass. It would be as if the, the stock market were trading with the futures together. Um, and, and that's something that you don't see right now because they're bifurcated. They even have two different regulators, the SEC and the CFTC. So so, but we're trying to bring that world together to make life a lot easier for people to be able to understand what their risk is. See, people don't understand risk. And that's one of the problems that then we've seen. And it's one of the reasons people have gone bankrupt uh, in this business over the course of the last year. It's our job to, to avoid that volatility. To make sure that, if nothing else, we give them the tools to avoid those pitfalls. Jack, how long do you think before
1: it's actually in the commodities? Hemp, like they will be, it'll be listed with like pork rinds.
2: How, yeah. how long do you think? Uh, of pork rinds, pork uh, bellies. I, you know what? I think uh, honestly, within the next couple of years. Uh, you know, a lot of it depends on how big and sure. how quickly the cash market takes off. Uh, and, and when that does, it usually it, it usually takes it to the next level.
0: Yeah, that cash market could take a little bit, and then um, how are you gonna? If you if you were going from the cash market into the futures market, is there going to be any spread at all? Like, how are you going to get a market maker in um, in the hemp futures if if it's it's all on the blockchain?
2: Well, let, let's let's give you an example of how a futures contract might work. Um, say we out of the twenty or thirty different types of hemp. Uh, that we were lo- uh, listing, we found that maybe five of those contracts were, were very regularly traded in the cash market. What we would do is we would take those five markets and create a hemp index for example. So now we have a, a hemp biomass index. Now that hemp biomass index, and we would give you the parameters on it, uh, could be an index, basically a number, you know, from uh, starting off at a basis of zero. And and it, or, and it can go up and down based off of what those five contracts are doing. The index, just like the S&P or the Dow Jones, would be turned into a futures contract. Well, now what you have is an, is an index that allows you to be able to buy and sell the entire price movement of your hemp contracts and your hemp asset class. So in many ways, if you look at the S&P 500 futures, that's the way you get in and out of the entire stock market by using one trade. That is a futures contract. So it, it, would, it would, that would be one approach that we would use. Another approach is that, you know, all of a sudden we find one certain type of, uh, distillate. Say it's an oil. Say it's a CBG just trades crazy. Uh, and, and that we could turn with the right specs. We would turn that into a futures contract and you would have a, a spread. Remember futures end up with a, you have a, a, a premium associated with it because there's a time lag. Right. that futures contract doesn't come due for another two or three months so there's a price differential between the cash market and what you see out there in the future usually people come in and make markets as far as making markets themselves that's where we come in we know people and understand we will sell memberships there is a, a we've got a thousand traders here in chicago that are dying for new things to trade
0: and how much does the seat on the chicago board of trade go for these days
2: you know what? We we demutualized the exchanges. Was that when I was on the board of directors of the CME Group, we demutualized the exchanges. And what we did was we divided it up. We gave people stock, and we gave them a what we called a trading right. Uh, so that tr- and then what happened is, so that stock, uh, if you were a full member of the CME exchange, you got eighteen thousand shares of stock. Uh, then they split it five for one, uh, so you could do the math, and it's trading at two hundred dollars a share right now. Uh, you got a sixty billion dollar market cap, and what was it? A- a little country club membership organization. So, you know, when we're looking at these opportunities, you know, let's understand that's where the big picture is. These are, these are multi-billion dollar plays as we go after them. And, 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 and I like, you know, creating the picks and shovels. Uh, you know what I mean? Let's, let's, let's be the, you know, the Levi yes. Strauss uh, you know of this world as people are mining gold. Uh, and that's kind of what, you know, that's what we're doing with the exchange. What
0: about um, how long were you there? Cause my uh, uncle sold his share. Gosh, I want to say in the nineties, sometimes he, oh, he was.
2: Yeah. We demutualized in, in the late nineties uh, at the mm-hmm. CME, uh, And then the board of trade was right after us. We got, we, we got out of the gate first and when we did that, we were able to to layer ourselves into the entire world of electronic trading before anybody else. Uh, and then what we did was we used because we were IPO and we went we had stock in hand. We used that as currency and bought the Chicago Board of Trade, the New York exchanges. Uh, you know, we we, we they went on a buying spree in Chicago. So yeah, it, it, it's been it's been a, about a good twenty two to twenty three years, I think, since we demutualized.
0: Hmm. I don't. know. So you didn't know anybody on the CBOT in the eighties or anything.
2: Oh I did of course I knew people at the CBOT at the CBOE uh you know the option, my my best friend uh, ran one of the biggest options groups in in the city back then um it's a, it's a tight community yeah. you know we're, well, Did you know Rick Dwyer? Oh yeah I know I know Rick. Dwyer. Yeah. Seriously? Well yeah I mean that you know he's my
0: uncle. That was my grand uh, my godfather. Yeah. Oh, he okay. eventually passed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. But, Remember, but These are names in the, in the business that you come across. And I I, I mean, I, I, I hate to say it, but you come across them usually drinking after after the floor is closed. Yeah. You
0: know, <laughs> yeah. I bet. I bet he was doing that. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah. In fact, I can even tell you it was at Ceres when I met him and we uh, actually actually. Uh, you know, that's where all the guys go. That's where you hear the stories. Um, you know, and, and I, I do miss that camaraderie. You know what I mean? Uh, you just don't have that anymore because, you know, that's that's where you learn. You learn about, you know, the, the markets, the structure of the market. You learn about risk. You learn about how to tolerate risk and how to handle it. Uh, you know it's a, that, that's an important thing learning how to how to handle failure. anybody can handle a, you know a winning trade. everybody knows how to be you know gracious when you're making money and, you're, and but you know what you, you gotta have class when you lose and and that's what you learn from these older guys you know what I mean no matter what you smile, you know what I mean and you make sure your powder is dry for the next day and you go in it's, it's it was a hard lesson to learn, but I'm glad I learned it. Mm-hmm. on.
1: Jack, thank you so much for joining us today. Where can we go again for, to uh, follow what you guys got going on at Global uh, Global Smart Commodity Group?
2: That's it. That's the website. Uh, you know, we're we're changing it over again next week, but but you'll see this site. It'll give you some information and give you an idea of what we're doing. And and if uh, anybody wants an idea or a demonstration or a platform, or is, or is a trader out there or has exposure in the hemp markets, uh, call. Of course, we've got people that'll that'll help you along the way.
1: Awesome. Thanks again for coming on and thanks for tuning in everyone. Make sure you like and subscribe to keep up with all cannabis legalization news. We'll see you on Sunday. Thanks.